Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick content warning. This episode has themes related to sexual assault and familial abuse. So if that is not something that you want to listen to, feel free to skip the story. We would also like to take a moment to thank our patrons, Twilight Goddess and Reborn Neji. Without your patronage, well, a small production company like us couldn't continue to make art like this. If you would like to be featured at the top of every episode as a patron, check out the link down below. You'll also get early access to all episodes of the Armitage account, plus some very desirable bonus episodes. Anyway, hope you enjoy, and thanks. To anyone who can hear this broadcast, this is the Armitage account. Isaac Andrews, September 23rd, 2022, 2200 hours. I I have spent the last two weeks pouring into the names Felix has given me, and so far, this is exhausting. I have been able to track down at least 60 people, 20 of whom are in Arkham, the problem lies with finding contact information. I could go door to door, but after what happened in the spring, I don't think many will want to speak to me. So I am back here. I snuck through the restoration zone alone this time. Lou. I'm sorry. I I know you and Felix mean well, but I have to keep doing this. Despite the dead end, I still have one lead. Not many people listen to this, but you do. You. The only other person who knows about this space. You. Who wants me to read this book. True magic. It's bound in blue leather with a symbol in the middle that vaguely resembles a star embroidered in stone. As I hold it, I must confess, I feel excited. <laughs> this is the longest I have been away from this place. These books. Now that I am here, I'm starting to wonder why I even went to Felix in the first place. So, let us begin. He looks at me. The old man of a thousand gazes, all of which are static. He seems fraught, as if in hidden fear. Fear that requires a plan enacted. A plan that would need to be precise and methodic so desperately. He looks at me. Each generation has its patriarch. A man who believes himself better than those who are younger, poorer, or just born without a cock. Each has been the same in this way. Cruel, 
waspish, and, uncharacteristically of whom they were before, brilliant. He looks at me. Nora, you have to hug your grandfather, Mother says. I don't want to hug grandfather. He looks at me. Mother must understand somewhat. She has seen him through my father, who took his own life with the family gun. Yet here we are, back in the manor where Grandfather looks at me. Why don't you two settle in? Allie, the family help, chimes in. Such a woman who is not too young and not too old, who notices the complexity of disdain, fear, and hunger that has enveloped the abode. She looks softly to my mother. This way, ma'am. She says as she holds out a hand to guide her. While she leads us up the stairs and receives my mother's smile, he looks at me. We leave the daughter behind. All the while the mansion's chambers coated in floral wallpaper provide time to prepare. We are given the same room. My mother changes into fine clothes, out of her cigarette pants and into a dress with pearls. Meanwhile, I scour through my thoughts as to why we are here of all places. Where my father put a hole in his brain, and all traces of this family have come to die except him. It must be Ali, I reason. Mother has had pen pals before. Now years after father's death, she is writing more. Yet it was only yesterday when she received a call on the phone that she turned to me and said we had to go. I look to my mother. The lace just under her dress confirms my theory of Allie. Yet I remember the voice on the phone, a can churning of masculine words with none of Allie's blessings. Oh, I knew she blessed her. She was always our support. She hit us throughout the house when the spirits of whiskey and gin would threaten my father's fist. I liked Allie plenty. If only we were in a different Massachusetts. I would love for my mother to marry. Yet Allie couldn't be ours. No, she was his. So perhaps this trip was due to inheritance. We arrive back downstairs in the proper getup. The Cordettes play on the radio. Mr. Sandman, I know they play for me. Fillets are served by Allie. She looks down as she collects her hors d'oeuvres. My mother displays her love in hidden gestures, a bump of the arm and a praise of grandeur. Yet I notice a discomposure in Allie, discomposure as she glances to another. Her eyes dot over to Grandfather, a man who is coarse, shriveled, and has begun to wither. He looks at me. I propose a toast, he croaks as he lifts his glass. To my son Gendry, the last of the men in this once great family. I pass a look to my mother, who simply lifts her wine high in the air. I can still imagine the bruises on her face and her torn-out hair. He looks at me. And to Nora, he continues, who shall carry our legacy and has grown to be so fair. My stomach turns. I am young, only sixteen, yet I know something in him burns. He must think me daft or distracted, that I cannot see that there is some plan enacted, or perhaps he just knows that even if I scream and cry to try and stop his hand, I would rather die than be called hysteric again. So I sit with my mother and smile, raise my glass and say to you, Grandfather, who has watched over our family all the while. 
He looks at me. If only you had been a boy, he jests. Then that would put worries of the family name to rest. I swallow hard. Father had made it known that he wanted a son. Instead, he got a daughter. So he insisted my mother give him another. But she was unable, unwilling, unwanting to make me a sister. Then his abuse began in truth. Why my mother and I would cower under his boot. For years he would howl and scream and beg for the birth of my brother. It was only days before his death I heard him cry. If I cannot have a son, then I am next for the slaughter. He looks at me. Dinner ends as the plates are taken by Allie. We then move to the den for Port, the family gallery. Paintings of valued men throughout the ages, all with similar faces, familiar eyes. I look at the empty display on the wall where the gun used to lie. He looks at me. Each of these men was head of this house. Grandfather proclaims as he pours his brandy. The drink is dark and viscous. It makes his tongue look bloody. That man right there was the start of our fortune. He points towards the mantle where the vast painting stares back at me. I knew of the man, the bombastic count, the man who moved from Salem to Arkham in 1693, who lorded over the land for all to see, a trader of souls who built boats and homes, some in this town might call father. Since then, each son has followed him into this wall, each one of them continuing his call, each one continues to fall right here in this house. Most had died of old age many in beds, but my father was not alone in his violent death. The Count had died at the hands of his servant, who cut out his tongue, then left. One night the servant crept back, with madness on his tongue. He appeared from nowhere, rambled and cried as he tried to kill the Count's youngest son. He assaulted the boy and nearly won, but the child was saved by the family gun. The assailant lay dead and the boy was bathed in blood. Now the son's painting is back up on the wall, the next after the Counts. He was the next true ruler, the next patriarch. But looking at his painting, I am stunned, because he looks at me. My heart skips as my grandfather smiles. I look around and realize we are alone. Mother has left to be with Allie, and Malice has entered the home. He stands up and holds out a hand, his eyes like the pigment in the paintings. Will my eyes be like that too? Or my father's before his passing? He looks at me. Come now, darling. Why don't you help an old man go for a leisurely stroll? My legs are not what they used to be, and those woods are very old. The Massachusetts cold could be treacherous for an old man, but isolated and alone with him could be disastrous in that timberland. I'm sorry, Grandfather. I'm afraid I am already drained. Perhaps Allie could walk you through the forest again? Allie is unavailable, darling. But perhaps it is time for bed. Could you walk me to my room instead? He looks at me. I swallow my pride and do as I'm told to show I am a good heiress. I hold him in one arm as we climb the stairs and lead him to his lair. A pretty place, opulent and red. Gold trimmings of the mansion frame his large bed. I sit him down and quickly turn my back. I exit. He looks at me. Hours pass and I stay and rest while I await for my mother's return. It is only a little after ten that I hear a rapping at my door. 
I steady my breath and wait for the entrance to unfurl. Yet there is only pitter-patter of rain outdoors. Then there is a flash of light and thunder shakes the floor. I look and I see the chamber is now open. There is someone standing at the door. He is a tall shadow, a man with no form. I stare at him in terror, unable to stir. I cannot scream. I cannot cry. I can only watch as he enters my dorm. Foot by foot, stride by stride, each lumbering limb makes its way to my bedside. I watch as he lowers his hand over my face, my eyes, my throat. My tongue tries to cry, but it is paralyzed. There is a flash of light and I scream. I bolt up in bed and thrash at... Allie? It's Allie who stands over me now, calm yet concerned. She turns on the light by my bedside, no longer a figure of shadow, but one soft and kind. I cry. She holds me. You are having a bad dream, she whispers, comforting me. Could it have been a dream when the terror felt so real? A terror I could feel like when father drank his beer? Like then, Ali stands over me, comforting me, seeing me, as I try not to reel. Where is mother? I ask. She smiles. She sent me to fetch you. We are leaving out back. I look at her confused, then to the window. The sky is very much still black. It was our secret, she continues. She must have seen me react. We can't let the old man know. Tonight, we must act. It sinks in and I nod, a feeling of assurance. My guardian has arrived to protect me from this interment. These mansion walls that make my prison. That man who eyes me like a libation. We shall leave in the dead of night, and there will be no one to sustain him. She grabs my hands, lifts me up, we head out of the room. It's only then that I notice the gun hidden under her robe. The same gun that hung in the family gallery. The same gun that blew my father's skull through the ceiling. Why are you armed? I ask. He is only a frail old man. She looks to me, through me. I know she sees my fear. She sighs and looks me in the eye. It's for the other men, dear. Men who will not understand yourself, your mother, or I. Men who will one day seek their vengeance against women they cannot pry. We head out the back, silent as the wind into the New England wood. I look behind us. I see the manor. One light is still shown. One light in the house, a light for the last soul. A soul encased in a husk of chitin, of family bones, where the old man stays to die. Then I feel it. The cold. The hands. His stare. He looks at me. I turn and I see him. The old man, the daughter, the vessel of hate and maker of victims. He's no ghost or apparition, but corporeal matter. His hands grab me by the shoulders. He's strong, stronger than an old man should be, but he is not stronger than me. His grip is tight with his attack, so I throw us both back. We both hit the ground. From him, there's a loud crack. I scramble to my feet, but then I am petrified as to what I see. Where I last saw Allie was now the man in shadow, his face like a pharaoh, lovely, handsome, but hollow. He holds the gun and smiles at me, delighted by my confusion. He laughs as I feel the daughter's hands grab me and pull me back into a commotion. He seethes at me. 
The shadow laughs as I am clawed at from my heels. The dotard's mouth foams as he tries to scale me. I hear the pharaoh, his laughter all-consuming. I look back to the manor and I see reality. The one light shines in Allie's room, not the old man's. And I see them there. She is with my mother, in love, happy, and alert. Unknown to them, their daughter is fighting for her life while obscured. There is laughter, then a clatter. The gun falls by my side. Then there is the shadow's voice as it cries. This gun is for men who will one day seek vengeance against women they cannot pry. So go now, pull the trigger, O oh daughter of mine. There is a bang, then silence. The rifle is in my hand. The shadow is gone, and the old man is dead. I breathe, heavy. Bile rises in my throat. Into the bushes it goes. That was never alley, I bespeak. Then look down to the rifle given to me by the pharaoh, my safety. So why did he help me? He still brought me here, alone with that man. He still laughed at me while I made my stand. Did he just want me to feel his stare again? Did he want me to kill? Did he want me to hurt? Or did he just want the satisfaction of the chaos he built? Then I hear it. A slight movement. Something small. Something wet. Something vicious and viscous. It looks at me. I turn down towards the noise, and what do I spot? A bloody tongue wriggling and bouncing through the brush. I stumble back as it slithers in turn. To my terror, it gets closer each time it worms. I stand on my feet and begin to run, but a root catches my foot and I fall in the mud. I turn back, and what do I find? The bloody tongue has leapt on me, on my face. Mine. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. I scream. It takes its opportunity. It slithers into my jaw. I bite. Both it and my tongue are marred. Yet, it worms down my throat. I try to hurl and gag, but only summon tears, for I had already thrown up my meal. Agony as it tears into me. I taste iron. I scammer and grab for my jaw. My fingers reach in, yet I can't reach. I'm too late. I feel a torturous tear as my tongue is torn. The piece of me slides down my gullet and into my stomach. I try to cry, then spasm. In my throat, something attaches. My muscle has been replaced by it. My body tenses, and my mind goes white. I see the servant emerge in my mansion. I cut out his tongue and mine. Then I see the Count's son. He and I wrestle, and I climb atop him, then into his mouth, into him. Then I am him, that poor boy of only ten. He struggles for breath as my form slides down his throat. He is me. Then I am his son, and the one after that. Each man and boy pillaged by me, the old evil thing. Each one violated and taken by the muscle of the king. After each one is taken, I see through their eyes, till I watch my great-grandfather take the old man I did despise. He was just a young man, barely twenty when it happened, when he was in that very mansion alone with his father, and his mouth had been torn open. Alas, I see my father. I stand over him. 
He looks at me in fear as he holds the rifle under his chin. I move to pounce. He pulls the trigger. I stand there and cry. I've lost my power. Now I must take the young girl. Nora. Me. 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 I scream myself awake. It is morning. The birds sing. Allie and Mother rush to me. Are you all right, young love? Allie asks. You have been dreaming. Your nightmare has passed. I nod and look to my mother. She smiles and says, There is no danger. Let's get you out of bed. I walk with a shake, and they help me dress. I feel relief. It was all a figment. The fear, the shadow, the old man's assault, the fate of my father's, the horrid thing in our throats. There is a shout. It's Allie to me and my mother. His chambers are empty. Where is the master? I look to my mother. Fear returns to my eyes. She thinks she consoles me. We will find him. Do not cry. So they leave me alone in this palace, this cold place that is kingless. I need warmth. I draw a bath. Try to clean myself with these thoughts, but then feel as if there is something I forgot. I remember their eyes, all of them the same. Each painting, that man, was I like them? Then I hear a voice in my mind. Hello, dear, you are finally mine. I look in the mirror into my own eyes, and what do I see? It is him. He looks at me. That was... Good. I... I feel great. (laughs) The exhaustion is still there, but finding something new, learning something new, it's exhilarating. Every time I read one of your suggestions, I discover something about this place. The only question is, why this book? What are you trying to communicate to me? These stories are connected somehow. The Shadow and the Man in Black, they were in the first one. But how does a fairy tale connect to a story this recent? The Cordettes play on the radio, Mr. Sandman. That was in the 1950s. Someone is planning books here. And that someone must be you. You would need regular access to the space. You would need access to the key so that you can mail me a copy. And you would need to be well-connected enough to find and trade rare books. You're not just a student or member of the faculty. You're an administrator. Maybe even... Headmaster Corbin. So why would you put so much effort in keeping this place up to date? Huh. I wonder. What happens if I read the most recent entry? The last story left me unconscious for... Oh. Only four hours. Huh. 
I guess I'm getting better at this. Whatever this is. So, let's see what secrets you're holding for me. It's okay. Uh, it's only... Hey, anyone there? I'm armed and I'm coming in. And I swear to God, if you're that note creep, I'm gonna break every single one of your little fingers. Isaac? Oh my God, dude, I thought we talked about this. Weren't you? Isaac? Isaac? Oh no, oh my God, no, 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 no. Um, this is Lou. I'm in the restoration zone. I need an ambulance here immediately. I have a student here and he's unconscious and he's losing a lot of blood. In order of appearance, this broadcast features Benjamin Collins as Isaac Andrews and Alexandra Fonley as Luisa Lopez. This broadcast is under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution non-commercial share alike license and is produced and distributed by Scope Productions. You can follow us on Instagram at Armitage Account or our website armitageaccount.com where you can join the Discord server and learn more about our Patreon. Make sure the word is heard. Tell your friends and loved ones about this broadcast. Ensure your safety. Don't have any friends or loved ones or just want to spread the word? Then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider.